When I was a kid, my parents were divorced, and we used to go back and forth between my dad's studio apartment in Old Town, San Diego, and my mom's house in Point Loma. And it was a long walk, but I could walk. In fact, when I got mad at my mom, I would run over to my dad's house. Anyway, um, my dad, we had a a VCR where we'd use VHS tapes to tape a lot of movies off of TV. That's what you did back in the day, and he saved a lot of money that way. My dad knew I loved the movie Mary Poppins, and we watched it one night on The Wonderful World of Disney. I think those were on Sunday nights. And he taped the movie Mary Poppins for me onto a VHS tape. And I watched it over and over and over again because I just loved the music. I loved Dick Van Dyke. I watched the Dick Van Dyke show on rerun over and over and over again as a kid. And I loved the sound of music. So I loved Julie Andrews. And I just love the the whimsical nature of the movie. It's just it was something that made made me happy, even though there were some dark parts of it and everything. Anyway, it wasn't really until I was an adult and recently I was thinking about it because it is Women's History Month and I've been doing this thing on LinkedIn every single day highlighting either women I know personally in my life that have been mentors or motivators or inspirations to me or favorite quotes of of women um, throughout history or leaders um, and also even women and actresses and such too. So I started thinking about like who's iconic and who was a part of my life, you know, along the way. And Julie Andrews is definitely one of my favorites because of this, because I loved Mary Poppins. I loved Sound of Music as a kid. And, of course, I did like the Princess Diaries, and I liked things that she did in her later years too. But I didn't realize when I started thinking about this, again, just like within the last couple days, rethinking and replaying the movie Mary Poppins in my head, because I have it memorized, so I can do that at any time. It's kind of nice. I was thinking about the character of Mary Poppins and Bert and just all the different um, adults in the movie and the kids and just thinking, oh my gosh, what an analogy for leadership. And there's so many lessons in that movie that we can use to talk about leadership. Oh my gosh. But better yet, talk about leader sips. Hi, I'm Carlin Holbrook. I'm a John Maxwell team certified coach, teacher, trainer, speaker, published author, and influencer with more than 25 years of global leadership experience. If there's one thing I've seen firsthand time and time again, it's that the best leaders inspire others to follow their purpose and their passions, while the influence of a bad leader can literally tear down people's potential. Join me for a few sips of leadership tips that will help you become a better leader by first conquering the hardest person to lead, you. Now, one might think I would go with the obvious choice, which is Mary Poppins herself, and say, oh, she was the epitome of a leader. I'm not going to start there, actually. I definitely believe, yes, she had leadership attributes. There were definitely at times where I felt like, well, she was leading a little passive-aggressively, but I'll get back to her in a minute. No, no, I want to start with Bert. He was the first character that stood out in my mind as someone who has so many characteristics that good leaders need and, frankly, that we all need going through times of change, times of just struggle and the need to pivot. And, of course, you're all thinking, what? No, secondary character. He was all over the place. He this, that. No. Hear me out, okay? So Bert had many jobs, but why did he have all of these different jobs? He was a one-man band. He was a sidewalk chalk artist. 
He was a chimney sweep. He was a kite salesman. He did all these different things. But if you think about, and if you go back and rewatch the movie, why did he do all these different jobs? Well, he was resourceful. He was not only resourceful because he did different things and he was good at different things. I mean, he was an excellent, you know, he was a really good chalk, chalk artist. And I mean, if you like one man bands, I think he pulled it off. But it, more than that, if you think about it, the, the scene that stands out the most to me is when the chalk drawings um, that he did on the sidewalk. So after Mary and Bert and, and Jane and Michael jump into the chalk drawings, they have their wonderful adventure, but then it starts to rain and it rains on their beautiful um, animated adventure, a jolly holiday adventure. But then you see the scene when they're all standing there in the rain, looking at his chalk drawings, getting smeared all over the sidewalk. And, you know, oh, no, Bert, your chalk drawing. Like, it's so sad. They lamented. But he doesn't lament it. He's like, he's like, are you kidding? You know, it's like on to the next thing. And he very much takes all of his new hobbies into stride, but it's all based on the current conditions that he's given in those moments. So when when it's rainy and stormy and, you know, there's, you know, he makes he makes jokes about it and he goes on to the next thing. I think the next thing we see is a chimney sweep because that's a good indoor activity, right? If it's raining outside, people need chimneys, you know, swept. We still need to do that because it's cold and rainy and they need to make fires in safe ways. And then even at the end of the movie where he's a kite salesman, well, it's windy outside. It's kite weather. So he's a kite salesman. I love it. He just, he follows his heart in these moments, but he also goes with the flow and he goes with the changing tides and the changing environments. And to me, he's the epitome of showing someone who's resilient and resourceful and stays optimistic. He stays that, that happy smile on his face the whole time. But again, if you dig a little deeper, he's actually picking his occupation based on what the needs of the marketplace are at the time. What are the conditions of the time? What's happening at the time? So I think he is an amazing character with just a lot of really great um, characteristics of a leader. I think we need as leaders to help people shift with the changing tides, evolve our skills, upskill, evolve our experiences to meaning, okay, well, how can I draw upon my expertise to fill this gap or to do this or to, you know, create differently or use our imaginations, frankly, to... Um, get creative in, in different spaces in order to, you know, go through the chalk drawing, if you will. Like, there's no really going around it. And there will be sunny days, and there will be fun and jolly holidays, absolutely. And then sometimes the rain does come crashing down on our chalk drawing, and it smears the colors all over the sidewalk. And that might be a dream, that might be a job, that might be a family issue, uh, something that happens to you personally. But then, okay, how do we pivot in the rain? How do we find our next in those moments and go go through it? Can't go around it, but you got to go through it, right? You got to skip skip in the rain. You got to, like he does, he skips down in the rain. He jumps in the puddles. It's like, man, I'm going to dance in the rain. I'm not going to let the rain get me down because there will always be a rainbow after the storm. So the next character that I thought about was a good leadership lesson is actually Mrs. Banks herself, and I see. I think you see where I'm going with this, the sister suffragette movement. Um, clearly soldiers in petticoats, dauntless crusaders for women's votes. Um, what I love about this number, first of all, is, um, of course, I would have championed the right for women to vote. I'm glad we have the right to vote. 
not all women. No, I'm kidding. Um, casting off the shackles of yesterday and shoulder and shoulder into the fray. What I love about, like, if you go and listen to the lyrics of this song or even read the lyrics of this song, it's no more the meek and mild subservience we. We're fighting for our rights militantly. Never you fear. So never you fear and casting off the shackles of yesterday. I thought these are her courageous voice. If you think about it at the time, she was obviously, you know, a classier woman in, in a respected family. And she was out there marching for for suffrage, for women's suffrage. Um, I can't remember what movie it is, but it's like women's suffrage where it sounds, or maybe it's a Friends episode, women's suffrage where it sounds bad, but it's actually good. Yeah, it sounds like something Phoebe would say from Friends. I always thought that word was funny. Anyway, I digress. Um, but truly, this is where courage, right? We need courage as leaders to speak up our voice, to not let fear um, take our voices away casting off any whatever shackles are, are binding you and this is obviously she's this can be both both figurative obviously um so what are the shackles that bind you what are the shackles that control your mind what are the what are the stories you're telling yourself what are the fears that you're embedding in your heart your mind and what is keeping you from using your voice or standing up for what you believe or standing up for other people standing up and being the lone voice even when it's not popular to do so and I love that even her her maids, um, at first they're like, eh, I don't know, this isn't a good idea. And then you see them really get into the song and they start singing and dancing and marching around together. And that I think is what often happens, right? We'll say something, people who have the courageous voices out there to be truthful and to stand up for what they think, believe, or to call like other leaders out or people out on something that's not right and not good for the people and not fair, you know, like, again, something that's equal and we need that kind of equality and equity. Um, but then some people are like, oh, I kind of agree with you in secret, but that's really uncomfortable. And I don't like what you're doing. Oh, you're making me uncomfortable. Okay, well, okay, I'll join you. And I hope it's not joining out of peer pressure. Maybe with them it might be, you know, who knows. Um, it is a movie after all. I'm not going to get too deep. But I think that analogy in real life is that, okay, well, yeah, I'm in with you because I do believe in that. And this is a little scary and uncomfortable. But once you jump in and you're like, all right, actually, this feels pretty good. I'm walking the talk. I'm. This is what my values are in my heart. And this is what I'm going to speak and I'm going to stand up for, even when it's not popular. The only downside I will say, because someone will probably call me out on it, is I don't like it when Mr. Banks is coming home and then she asks them, oh, go hide the, the sashes of, you know, the, the women votes for women because you know the cause infuriates him. So then she kind of hides it away to keep it out of his face. And it's like, oh. Mrs. Banks, like that was the moment. Like you should have, you know, stood up. But hey, nobody's perfect, right? Even even she's like, hey, I felt good when I was around my fellow females. We're we're doing this, we're doing this, and then it's like, man, there's still something there that makes me feel like I can't totally be myself or my whole self. And those are the things that we need to identify. What's creating fear in our life? Well, her fear was obviously her husband, like not putting that in his face because also that time period too was the man's man is it, right? And his word goes and he's the head of the house. And he even sings about that later in the movie and makes that very clear. Um, so I would say she's just, she does have some good examples in there though. So we'll cut her some slack. All right, next up on our 
character and leadership analogies of Mary Poppins is let's go on to Mr. Banks. Mr. Banks' first song, super fun, right? He seems quite jolly as he comes into his house. He's, you know, the king of his stride and his noble steed, and he returns, how pleasant is the life I lead, right? He's very into it. Um, But if you think about his song and some of the words and lyrics, he equates a British nanny um, to being a general, somebody like who is going to be firm, who's going to mold the breed, who's going to give commands, who's going to run everything with precision, just like the bank that he runs. And it's all discipline. Otherwise, without it is catastrophe, anarchy, and a big old ghastly mess. I mean, he's just, he's so funny to me. Because first of all, I think he's driving towards perfectionism. And he wants somebody who is perfect. And we know Mary Poppins is practically perfect in every way. And I love that that caveated word is in there. Because nobody's perfect. There's no such thing. You can't strive for perfectionism. And truly... While, yes, there's military and things need to be run with protocol and procedures and and operating guidelines, and I agree, in a work environment, people need to understand foundationally what is the vision, what is the mission of what we're trying to do, but to go down to that level of intricacy of perfection and to run things in such a militant way, well, that's not appropriate for a household, let alone a work environment, a normal corporate workplace, a church, a school, wherever you you work. We need to be in touch with the human side of leadership. And that means understanding individual needs. That means listening to them, not just barking orders and command and control and ruling with fear. That doesn't work. That creates people who are compliant, not committed. And you want people who are committed to the cause, who see the vision, who, like Mrs. Banks, you know, the maids and the housekeeper jump in there because it's like, yeah, you're right. I am, I do agree with you, and I'm going to jump in there, and I'm going to walk alongside you, right? Not march behind you because you've barked orders and you've scared me to death. Um, and I think some of those types of leaders, too, tend to put fear into you about, well, just be grateful to be here. You're lucky to be here. Just do what I say, and, and otherwise you're out of here. And it's like the threat of livelihood becomes the fear that people work by. And it's so unhealthy. You're never going to get people to do their best work. You're never going to get people to live and to lead in their fullest potential if you treat them like that, if you talk down to them like that, if you rule with fear and command and control. It's never going to happen. Stop trying to make fetch happen. Okay, wrong movie. But truly, I mean, and if you think about Mr. Dawes, so go to go fast forward to toward the end of the movie. Hopefully you've all seen this movie and there's no spoilers here. But if you haven't, awkward. The bank scene, Mr. Dawes is the head of the bank. And clearly his own family is afraid of him. And he rules in fear. And everybody is solemn and everybody is nervous around him. And just the environment. And I love the way... The director and the cinematography teams like created that really scary environment in the bank. It's very cold. It's very quiet. Everybody's in stiff suits, and it's like, oh, I don't want to. That I don't want someone that person to be my leader like that, where you don't feel comfortable approaching them. Like old school leadership is, oh, I'd rather just stay under the radar and not ever be called to the principal's office, so to speak. And Mr. Banks obviously gets called to, you know, the bank the principal's office and the bank and it's a very 
scary and daunting number. I remember as a kid, I, I, as many times I watched it, I always hated those last scenes because it was like, oh, you knew something bad was coming. Just even by the environment and the, the people and the way they were, there was no warmth there. There was no care. There was no looking at them as a per, him as a person. It was only like, your kid did us wrong. We, you caused this. This bad thing happened, and now we're going to punish you for it. Rather, wouldn't it have been better to say, what happened? Why did that happen? What's going on with you? But they didn't care. It wasn't even about that. It, was, it wasn't about the, the single act itself. It was about how it impacted them. And that kind of moment is clearly poor, poor, poor leadership. All right. I am going to talk about Mary Poppins herself. Don't go crazy. Now, Mary clearly has a lot of leadership capabilities, abilities, skills. But what I love about her is while she does have a fairly commanding presence, I would say she is more confident than commanding. And what she very strategically and wonderfully does with every single character throughout the movie is she gets them to see what the problem is, what the issue is, what they need to work on, where, how they probably need to see the world. And she does it in very kind of craftly ways. Now, I will be honest, my style is a little more direct. Like I, I, I appreciate a tough love kind of conversation and, you know, giving pretty direct feedback in love, of course, and care. Um, but, I mean, she does that to an extent too, right? Like a spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down. So to me, that's speaking truth in love. It's like, I'm going to tell you what needs to do. I'm going to show you what needs to happen. And we're going we're gonna to do it in a way that gives you a feeling that I care about you and I'm teaching you something while also either having fun or showing you that I care and connect. If we could all give feedback with a spoonful of sugar helping any kind of medicine go down. And again, it's not to candy coat it. So don't mistake what I'm saying. It's not, you know, some people when they give feedback dance around the subject so much have you ever had that happen where someone gives you feedback, you, they dance around it so much, you leave the conversation, you're like, I think they were trying to tell me something, but I'm not 100% sure what it was. And if you have to go away and digest and like pick it apart to a point where you're like, I think that was about me, well, that's obviously not a well done conversation and not constructive. That's not helpful at all because then it's subject to interpretation. It's also subject to selective taking it away and listening. It's like, well, I don't know. I guess if there was really a problem, they would have just come out and say it. Oh, well, moving on now. Um, I also love, love, love. One of my favorite scenes in the movie is the scene where I love to laugh. And Uncle Albert, you know, they get a call. It's an emergency. Bert comes, gets married. It's like, oh, no, it's Uncle Albert, Albert again. He's laughing so much. He's floated all the way up to the ceiling. Well, I love that she kind of acts like, oh, this is such a problem. Then, of course, she joins them in a lovely little tea party up on the in the ceiling together. And the kids jump in and Bert jumps in and they all are laughing and having a good old time together. What I love, though, that she does is that there is room for laughter and room for fun. And there should be. We should have fun. Life is so short to take everything so freaking seriously that we do. I mean, even I would say semi-serious topics. And granted, I am one of those people that makes a lot of jokes, like maybe even at funerals. <laughs> like I try to be respectful, but coping humor is my coping mechanism too. Like it's just to to kind of keep things light. And I don't mean it disrespectfully ever, but 
But I, you know, that's a very drastic example, obviously. But as a leader, I think it's like, yes, there is time to have fun and just kind of float up to the ceiling and have tea parties and have a good time together. It's team building at its finest, right? Team bonding, not even just building, just bonding and enjoying each other's company and talking about nonsense and sharing jokes and, um, you know, about the wooden the man with a wooden leg named Smith. You know, what's the name of his other leg? I mean, it's the silliest, funniest dad joke on the face of the planet. Like, he cornered the market on dad jokes back in the day. Um, but, however, if you remember the scene, Mary takes them back down to earth. Because then it's like, oh, you know what? We have to go now. And so everyone gets kind of sad. Like, oh, that is sad. That is very sad. It's the saddest thing I've ever heard, I think, is some of the things they say. But a good leader makes sure that people have the right boundaries, too. It's like, yes, of course, there's time for having fun, and we're going to bond, and we're going to have a good time together. But there's also, you need to keep your team down to earth, keep people down to earth in reality, because that is important. Because if you're not facing reality or driving towards the things that are necessary, whatever your line of business is, whatever your industry is, then you might be just floating away forever. And it's so important as leaders that we keep them grounded. Another key thing I think she does very well is um, during the Tuppence song with the lady, the the little old bird woman comes on the steps of St. Paul. And I've been to St. Paul's in London. I see a bird lady. I was kind of bummed, but, you know, it is what it is. A long time ago. Um, so she she makes sure that people make sure that Jane and Michael, and you can use the analogy of that's her team, right, see past the end of their nose. A lot of people don't. And so it's a matter of like, hey, people pass her and don't give her another thought. But it's important to be aware of your roundings and to see people, to see people who are around you and see what they're doing, especially with such a what could be considered, especially then, a very small act. You know, she's just selling bags of bird food to feed the birds while she's trying to make a buck for herself, but she's also trying to help the birds, right? And so the fact that she introduces that to them and helps them take off their blinders a bit from their, from their, you know, very sheltered life that they clearly lead and recognize there are people out there hurting, or in, in this case, animals as well as people hurting or that need our help. And so what a valuable lesson to teach you know, the people that we lead and the people that we come alongside and do life with as well. I think one more uh, part, too, where I think she exhibits really great leadership is when she gives them each their medicine, which they don't want to take, but children who get their wef- their feet wet must take their medicine. But every single one of them tastes something completely different out of the same bottle. People are like, when I was a kid, I was like, oh, that's magical because the medicine I ever got never tasted good like rum punch or strawberry cordial or anything cool. Um, but what I think the analogy there too is it's situational leadership. It's making sure that when you do need to dole out the medicine and you're giving it with a spoonful of sugar, so to speak, is that you're situationally making sure each person is getting it in the way they will receive it properly. And the way they will hear it, they will receive it, and it will actually help them to apply whatever it is that you're coaching them on, that they can take it forward into the into applying it. Otherwise, if you try to give some vanilla announcement or some vanilla like one one you know announcement or one piece of feedback to everybody, but it really is just meant for that one person or that other person, they're never going to hear it because it's never going to be about them. I promise you. I've had leaders before too where it's like, 
instead of giving people direct feedback and individually um, talking to them about something that maybe is a performance issue or just something they could work on, they give this like massive announcement to the whole team. And I, I, I kid you not, the person who's supposed to receive it didn't receive it because again, it's oh, okay, sounds good, I guess. Never about me. That's why everything, your spoonful of medicine needs to be very individualized in order to take effect. I feel like I could talk all day about Mary Poppins, but I know I've always promised I will keep my leaderships to sips. So let's get sipping. If anything else, here's some three sips for you to take away today. First sip, be like Bert, be resourceful, be resilient, and help your team and the people around you do the same, especially when you're enduring change anticipating change, going through change, tough times, all the things, right? Those are two R words that we really need to help people with. And again, it's going to look different for everybody. So make sure each of their medicines are given the, the spoonful of sugar with love, but also that it's individualized. So important. All right, sip number two. Be like Uncle Albert. Uncle Albert had a cameo in the film. He wasn't in the movie very long, but he was very impactful because he showed us what it means to to not take life so seriously. And in the bad times, a little laughter, a little levity is a good thing. And as leaders, we need to make sure that people are having fun and enjoying each other. And the relationships are so, so, so important. In fact, they're the things that last. They're the legacy we leave, not the work. The work will change. Companies will evolve, things will be different, but it's the personal impact. It's it's how you make people feel that will last. And Uncle Albert is so fun and funny, and he brings just such this wonderful levity. And I think a lot of leaders, that's such an underestimated quality in leadership today. And third sip, be like Mary Poppins. Be not practically perfect in every way, but be the leader that truly helps people see the value in themselves, to see the relationships that matter, to see what they can do to make the world a better place, and how they can also open doors to creativity, imagination, innovation, boundless thinking. And yet when it's also her time to move on, she knows when the wind changes. And and leaders need to recognize that when you have done what you can do when you've imparted what you can impart, it's okay and it's healthy to move on, just like it's also healthy to help others move on, move up, move past, move, go on to their next adventures. It's okay. The wind is always going to change. So grab the umbrella and let's go fly a kite. Thank you for having a cup of coffee with me. For more sips and tips, connect with me on social and follow Leader Sips on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Pinterest. And don't forget to visit my website, carlinholbrook.com. Until next time, keep on brewing.